welcome to Hashtag Skinthusiast, the podcast, a place for listeners to hear from the experts and soak in tangible tips to get that glow from the inside out. I'm Amy, a skincare educator, practicing dermatology PA, and beauty creator who bridges the gap between you and the industry. Listen in to the industry's top experts on everything from the best way to spot treat a pimple, which skincare ingredients we shouldn't be mixing, to the drugstore finds that are better than luxury price tags. We cover it all. Here, dermatologists, skincare experts, brand founders, and thought leaders will share their tips and tricks for all things beauty, skincare, and wellness. Think of hashtag Skinthusiasts like a coffee chat with the beauty gurus whose brains you've always wanted to pick. You won't get this kind of insight anywhere else. Your best skin is coming soon. Today on the podcast, we have Nikki DeRoost, a celebrity makeup artist with decades of experience. She's worked with Rosie Huntington Whiteley, Bahati Brinsloo, Kate Bosworth, and so many more, and with brands like Bobbi Brown, Armani, and Dior. And now she's created her own acne safe beauty line with, wait for it, SPF up to 50. You can see why I was so excited to have her on. We talk about the best way to tackle complexion products, our favorite sunscreens, and even our favorite cosmetic procedures. She's so down to earth and fun to talk to, and you're going to want to take some notes. So Nikki, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I am so excited to talk to you about your years of experience and of course your new venture with CL. So thank you so much for taking the time. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So I like to start, me too. I like to start every podcast with what is your first beauty memory? Oh, well, it's funny because, so my mom's a hairdresser and we had a salon in our basement. Um, I grew up in Utah. And so my beauty memory is like being in the salon with my mom and she, I was the third, I'm the youngest. And so like, you know, by the time you get to the last one, it's just kind of like throw them to the wolves. So she would like be doing people's like perms and haircuts. And I would sit on the laps of her clients while she was doing hair. So I've like, it's like in my blood, like everyone's always like, why did you get into beauty? And I'm like, I don't know any different. That's just like what I saw growing up. Um, so that's like my first real beauty memory. That's so cool. And I know you kind of started with a focus in hair. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So because of, because of my mom being a hairdresser, I always watched her cutting hair and started cutting my friend's hair in like middle school and high school. Some were good. Some were really bad. Like me trying to cut people, uh, bangs. Like I would just like brush everything forward and just chop it. It was like, I essentially made like a mullet, but yeah. So I was always really confused because I knew I, I wanted to do hair, but I was also really passionate about makeup. So when I did, I did a hair apprenticeship when I was 18 instead of like going to a technical school, you like apprentice under a hairdresser. And for my day job or like my way of making money, I worked at Nordstrom um, doing makeup and I was a Stila girl. This was like 20 years ago. And so I kind of trained both at the same time, hair and makeup. And then I had to decide like what I was going to do. And I was like, I don't know. I love them both. So I did hair for about 10 years before I moved to LA. And when I moved to LA, 
I was doing freelance work and I was doing more heavily hair than makeup, but I kind of made the switch. And now I'm like all about makeup, but I have a couple clients that if I need to do like a blowout or a simple style, I can still do it. But like, I'm not up on all of the latest, you know, there's so many new hair techniques that I just like, it's way above my brain now. So it's, it's funny too, because I think in small town America, I'm from a super small town in Ohio, mm-hmm. people who do hair and makeup do both. It's very much yeah. like you, you kind of do everything, but then when you're in these bigger cities where there, there is such a need for these newer techniques and people are really experimenting with their hair and their makeup, I think you probably have to pick a focus, right? Cause it's, it's probably almost impossible to keep up with both. Yeah, you do. And especially when it comes to like red carpet and celebrity, it's almost like frowned upon if you can do both because people don't believe that you can be good at both things. Like it's like very much like a special, like a specialized, you know, you're, you're either this or you're that. Um, when you're starting off in our industry, I think it's great to do both because when I came here and I was getting, you know, a lot of random commercial work or jobs, it's like, it's a two for one. So you end up booking a lot more work because it saves for productions budget. But when you're like serious and heavily respected, you have to kind of make a choice. So, and my heart was really in makeup. Like I can still like, I color my own hair. I can, I can cut, I can do all of that, but I just like, my passion isn't there anymore. So. Yeah. And I guess it makes sense because if you are someone who has access to all of the experts in every field, you're going to want an expert for each thing. So it makes sense how that mentality might come about. Totally. So after after you were working with Stila at Nordstrom, what where did you go from there? What has been your career tra- trajectory from there? So as far as like with makeup, when I was doing Stila, it was back in the day where you had like a bay that you worked at and so it was Stila, Bobby Brown, and Chanel, which to me was like the perfect trifecta of brands. So I actually left Nordstrom when I, I went full-time into hairdressing. And I worked at a big salon. I managed. I did all of that. And then I actually ended up moving to my own studio space in Utah before I decided to move to LA. So when I was in LA, I actually trained under a man named Howard McLaren, who was the creative director for Bumble and Bumble. And then he went on to create the company called R&Co. I'm sure you've heard of that. So I worked with him. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I decided to like really get heavy into makeup. And so I think around that time is when um, Instagram started to like really happen. And you were seeing bloggers and different things like that. And I became friends with um, Chiara Fragni, who is like, her blog was called The Blonde Salad back in the day. And I worked with her on a job and we became like instant friends. And this was like back when she first started blogging and was on Instagram. And I remember she, she had like under a million followers, which is crazy because she has like probably like 30 or 40 million. I don't know. I, I can't keep up anymore. But um she tagged me in a photo and I was like, my followers were like, you know, like, and I was like, what is going on? Like how I don't understand. And she kind of like taught me about blogging because it was such a new concept to me. And all of a sudden, cause like I always had a dream of having my own brand and I was like, Oh, okay. So you build an online presence and, you know, kind of create 
and expertise in your space. And I was like, no one's doing this for beauty. So I want to start focusing on beauty. And so I like got my little YouTube channel and like, it's so funny looking back. Cause I was just like, I knew nothing. Like I was like hanging like sheets up and like buying these weird lights and like trying to like film on a real camera because I thought that that was more professional and like, just like, you know, I, I don't know. I just like had no clue, but that was like also the beauty of it. Um, so I started blogging and trying to like build my Instagram presence. Um, and then that kind of took off and I worked with like a lot of different brands with, you know, like I got like a agent that would get me like, um, jobs doing, you know, paid ads and such. Um, and then, I, what did I do from there? I mean, I've had a lot of cool like jobs. Like I was a global makeup artist for bare minerals for a couple years. Um, I am a global artist in residence for Bobby Brown and I still am. I've probably been with them now for like five years. Um, and then I just, uh, I had a previous brand to this, to CL that I did in 2018 called Rowan. Um, and then I started CL like during the pandemic. So it's just, it's like, I can't, I can't imagine any other industry or any other job. Like it's just such a passion of mine. Um, I know I'm talking a lot, but one thing I will say that kind of ties in with you is like, I didn't realize it until now. Like when I was a teenager, I was obsessed with skin and like my, my mom just sent me this project that I had to do for high school. And I basically was sort researching the difference between estheticians and dermatologists. And so, yeah. And so I, for part of it, I had to go, well, I didn't have to, I got to go and job shadow an esthetician and a dermatologist and like take notes and like learn everything. And I was so passionate about um, the journey of skin and how that affects people's confidence and the different avenues of how you could, you know, work in the skincare industry. And it's just funny because I think like as a young kid, I didn't, I knew that there was something there for me, but I didn't really, it, it didn't come until I think now creating CL where I'm like, Whoa, this has been an obsession and a fascination of mine since I was a kid and now with creating these new products, like I feel like I can have a positive impact in the industry in a place that's like really vulnerable. Like, you know, skin issues are so vulnerable. And, and, you know, I think that that's also my why behind what I do, because, you know, otherwise you're like, what, what's the point of like smearing makeup on your face? You know, like it's weird, but when it brings inner confidence, then like, there's nothing better. So long-winded, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I love that. And it's actually one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. I saw a video, I think it was a random TikTok or Instagram, and you were talking about how important skin prep is. And that I... I am. I think obviously that healthy skin is the best foundation. So when you said that, I was like, I love how you married your expertise then with this interest you also have in the skin itself. Because I think marrying those two is how you really get the most beautiful result and the result that makes you feel most like yourself as well. You know, you're not covering up. You're really enhancing what you already have. So that's something that drew me to you immediately. And you mentioned um, your first brand. At what point in your career? 
did those kind of light bulbs start to go off that you thought, eventually I want something of my own? I think, again, it was like, I remember even at like 18 years old, I got this like this catalog that was like, you know, put your name on, it was like a white label, right? Like you could like, just, you can have your own brand, like put your name on it, whatever. And I was like, that's cool. I was like, I'm going to have my own makeup line. And I remember also like flipping through magazines and being like, I'm going to, I can do this. Like I'm going to do hair or makeup for the cover of magazines and be in magazines. And so I think I was always kind of a manifester without even really I I didn't know what I was, I didn't know, but I just would always say it. And so I think once I started doing the influencing and, you know, like blogging and all of that, I was like, okay, because uh, like tried and true, I'm an artist, right? Like that comes first. But I knew that if I created some sort of like following that that would help to kind of you know, get my name out there to have a little bit more respect in the industry to have a brand. So that was definitely um, strategic for me, but it's also like, I'm such an educator that it was also really passionate and it still is passionate for me to um, be able to educate. It's actually hard for me now that, you know, like everything that is like trending on Instagram and TikTok is like 30 seconds or 60 seconds because like, I'm like, like, I want to tell people like how or why, or, you know, like it's, and I used to just be able to post like these like 10 minute long videos of me just like teaching and rambling. And I'm like, Oh, I have to like keep it quiet. So yeah, I think it's always been a goal of mine. Um, and I think once I started working with different brands and labs too, and like understanding that I had a talent there, like it was kind of a natural gift to formulate. Like I was like, Oh, this is like, This is where it's at for me. I'm really excited to kind of touch on CL. I'm I'm wearing everything today. This is, I had ordered it last week and you're already sold out of so much, which is really exciting. So I was able to get my hands on all three products. And so I just got them today and was able to try them. So I am such a fan and I can't, I can't wait to get to those, but I want to also get to a few viewer questions. And one of them was speaking of skin prep and how important it is. What are some things you like your clients to do the morning of, but also the night before? Cause we know how that really impacts kind of how your skin is tolerating the makeup the next day too. What are your tips? I, for me, it's like, I definitely, because I'm so like invested in my client's confidence. Like if it's someone that I've like worked with for a while, like I very much am controlling their, their skincare regimen. Like I'm like, Oh, I love that. So you're giving them a regimen too. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm like, this is what you need to use. This is like the, the order. If, if they're local, I always send them to my esthetician that I trust, you know, immensely. And, um, So, but when it comes to the night before, it's like, please don't use any actives on your skin. I don't want anything that's going to dry out the skin, irritate the skin. Like all I want is a lot of moisture, right? So like using like a really good hydrator, face oil, if we want to throw some like Vaseline, any of those types of like just really rich, like pillowy type um, formulas the night before. And then day of like... I just 
I kind of just use what I would use every day. Like I don't feel like I do anything that's like out of the ordinary for carpet because I just want it to be kind of like an everyday feeling for the skin, I guess. So it's like always a vitamin C. Um, I'll do some sort of serum, whether that's like a hyaluronic or um, niacinamide. And then I always like to mix a moisturizer with a face oil. So even if it's a red carpet look, I always still will add some drops of face oil in um, because the formulas of makeup that I put over the top, like they really work well together. So it's like you get that inner glow coming out, um, but then you have like the coverage of the foundation. I love that. And that glowy look is so, so popular right now. And I hope it never goes away because I am such a fan of it. Totally. Do you have, and one thing I actually learned from you watching your videos is that I was using way too much concealer under my eyes. Like when I saw you do it, I was like, wow, I, I, no wonder I'm not liking the results because you put very, actually very little. Yeah. I think that that's kind of a misconception that people have with concealer. And that's something that I always try to educate on is that the formula is so opaque and pigmented that you want to use less. And that's the reason why it's called a concealer, right? So, you know, I think a big complaint that people always say is like, oh, look, it's not a good formula. It's creasing or it's cakey or it's dry. I'm like, it's a good formula. You're just using too much. Um, I also like to educate around starting the actual concealer lower and pushing it up instead of putting like that initial amount right underneath the eye, because that's another way to kind of prevent it from having as much creasing. Oh, that's good to know. And you're Mm -hmm. kind of a queen at complexion, which it makes sense why you kind of came out with your own line and it is so beautiful. The tint is beautiful. But what tips do you have for anybody who is trying to nail complexion at home? Maybe somebody who isn't as confident with their skin, but they don't want to look like they have, you know, a full face of full coverage. They still want that kind of lit from within look, um, but they maybe want a little bit more confidence to walk outside. They're not ready to go out barefaced. So I think, um, definitely that's, you know, why I made the tint and protect because this is like, I wouldn't use this on a red carpet. Look, this is more of like your everyday, um, tinted, uh, sunscreen serum, whatever you want to call it. Um, and something like this, it's just great to have a nice like layer overall that kind of evens out the skin tone. It gives you a little bit of hydration and radiance, um, and color if you need it. Um, but then where, if you're dealing with like blemishes or want to cover up spots, that's where your concealer comes in because you really only want to have that heavier coverage and more makeup just on those spots. And that's a way to really make it still look like your fresh face, right? Instead of just putting like a full coverage foundation all over your face where none of your natural skin can breathe. It's just really focusing it on the areas that actually need it. And so it's definitely important to invest in a great concealer. Also really checking out ingredients and concealers because that's an area that you're generally like it's going over blemishes. So if you're acne prone and you're using a concealer that has pore clogging ingredients in it, then it's really not serving you well, right? Because you're never really going to be able to heal your, your pores and, and get them clear. Um, so yeah, like right now I have been playing around a lot with, um, Natasha Denona. This is, um, acne safe. It's, it's technically it's, you know, it's not clean beauty. Um, so 
you know, for some people that's important. I also really like the house labs one. It's also, I love that one. Yeah. It's also acne safe, but yeah, it's really important to kind of, if you are acne prone, it's important to really research the ingredients because what works for some won't work for, for you. And, and that was like a really big game changer for me because I, I used to have acne as an adult and I couldn't get it under control and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And my esthetician, she's so wonderful. Like for years, she'd just be like, okay, honey, just like, let me know when you're ready. Cause I'd be like, well, I'm, I work in beauty and like, I have to test every product and I need to know what's this and what's that. And she's like, okay, honey, just let me know when you're ready to commit. And so finally I was just like, so frustrated. I was getting facials like every three weeks she was doing extractions. It was all like through my cheeks is like where a lot of my acne was. And so I was like, okay, Lynn, like I'm ready, let's do it. And she put me on a brand called face reality And it was like, you know, she was like, this is your skincare routine. You need to look at every one of your makeup products, look at the ingredients, see if there's any pore cloggers. And the second that I switched and, you know, followed face reality, only used products without pore cloggers in it, my skin cleared within a month. Like I was like, are you serious? And then within, within two months, it was like, I wasn't getting any new acne or blemishes. And I, I would wake up every day and I'd like anticipate like, okay, I'm going to have a spot or like, it's going to, and it just stopped happening. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like this actually all makes sense to me. And that kind of like clicked something in my head where I was like, this is something that I feel like the last maybe two or three years has become more of like a topic of conversation. But before that, it's like, people had no idea, you know? I think I think there is I mean people are so interested now in the ingredients that are in their in their products and I think it's important to have that trial and error too because as exactly like you said something that works for one person might not work for another but it's great when we have founders like you with that kind of acne prone background because you're formulating from just such a different spot than somebody who's never had to deal with it before. Oh, my biggest fear in life. I mean even with my kit before I even launch CL was like, I have to make sure none of my products have pore cloggers or, or would irritate the skin because like that to me is such a big responsibility of like, not, I don't know. I just, I'm really sensitive to people that struggle with acne. And so anything that I can do to be of service or to help is like really kind of, it feels like my purpose, I guess. So yeah, it's it's a huge passion of mine. And I'm sure there's probably been some emotional moments with your clients too who are about ready to go out to probably some of the biggest nights of their lives. And, you know, we all, it's so 80% of people deal with acne. So we all get blemishes at some point in our life. So, but nobody wants it before one of the most important days of their life. So I'm sure you, you got some insight there and kind of, like I said, look at it from such a different lens than somebody else might. Yeah. And isn't it fascinating? It's like one of those things that we all have experienced, but when it's happening to you, it feels like it's the only thing that like people are focusing on. And it's like, I, I, I'm so fascinated by the psychology behind that because it's like, if you have a spot on your face, it's like, oh, that's, I have a spot on my face. Like the day is ruined, you know? And it's, I don't know, it's really... I don't know what, why, or how. Because when I'm, I, that's the last thing I'm looking at. At people, I'm looking at their smile. I'm looking at their eyes. You know, like I'm not like, oh, they have a breakout. You know. Yeah. Well, and we know, like, mental and emotional health is is so 
intimately tied to our skin health. I mean, I think sometimes we get pushed back in the in the cosmetic derm industry about kind of what we do every day and what we're passionate about being just, you know, quote unquote, skin deep. But the reality is that, you know, if you help clear somebody's skin, you're you're changing their life. Truly. Yeah. I mean, it, especially if you're somebody who's dealt with acne for a long time, it is just really life altering. You know, you don't want to leave your house. It can be really hard on on your mental and emotional health. So it is, you know, such an important, such an important area. And, and yeah. I'm, so I'm so glad that you kind of targeted that with CL. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the brand? So you launched with three products. Is that right? Yeah, we launched with three products. And Basically, it came from a place of me and my obsession with SPF. So I am, I'm 39 and I feel like as soon as I hit my 30s, like everything, all the sun damage started to come out. I actually grew up in Seattle. So like on one hand, I was kind of lucky because I wasn't around the sun, but I, I went to the tanning beds like a lot when I was in high school. I was like a cheerleader and I always wanted to be tan. And I think especially in Seattle, like it's tanning beds are really common. Right. And so I was probably tanning like three to five days a week. Like I did the same. Yeah, yeah, it was intense. And I would, I would like lay, like, I would like lay like this and make sure like everything like was yeah. Anyway, so when I got into my 30s, I started like seeing all the melasma or, or sunspots starting to come out. And I was like, are you kidding me? And so, and my esthetician was actually the one that really was like, every day you have to wear sunscreen. She's like, even if you're not leaving the house, like even if you're driving to an appointment for your facial, you have to put sunscreen on. And I was like, oh, okay. So like, she like really drilled that in my head. And then I was like, well, why is there not like, sure, there's like tinted moisturizers and things that have like, you know, SPF 15 to 30 or whatever. But like, why is there not blush with SPF in it? Like, I don't get it. That's like where I want more sun protection. And so that was kind of how the brand started. And it was really hard to find chemists and labs that would formulate for me in that way, because my list of what I needed it to be. It was like high performing, high, high sun protection. Um, it needed to be clean. It needed to be EU certified and it also couldn't have any pore clogging ingredients. So my list of no's was really, really big. Um, but I, I was able to kind of push through. And so I have, um, my blushes, which are SPF 50 liquid blushes, which is like such a big deal to me. Cause I'm like, Oh, like just knowing that I can wear makeup, like it's like, why wouldn't you choose the one with SPF if it gives you everything that any other type of blush would give? Like, obviously you want to choose the one with SPF. Um, and then I started working on the tint, which is funny because in launching a brand, it's like expensive and risky to start with complexion because you, you know, have that much more skews and like, you're kind of like, really putting your neck out there to like hope that it will kind of catch and that people will, will want it. But also it's like such a big passion of mine with skin. And so I wanted to create something that was really easy to use every day because myself at home, it's like, I mean, I have a lot of makeup on right now because I just did an Instagram live, but generally I'm just like a slap it on five minutes, no fuss. And so this is really easy to use 
with your fingers um, or a brush. You don't have to look in the mirror to use it. Um, you can layer it up if you want. Like it has a decent amount of coverage. So it actually is doing something as well. It's not just like putting sunscreen on. Um, and then I have my powder, which is an SPF 30. And this was really hard to formulate actually, because when you're using a zinc and titanium dioxide, it's like, I need it. I wanted it to be really fine and really blurring. Um, and also, you know, naturally it's white, right? Like, so I'm also kind of like trying to figure out how to not have a white cast in a powder so that it works for every skin tone. Um, and this ended up being the hardest thing to work on, but the most rewarding because everyone loves it. And it's like very, it's very smooth. It's very blurring and something that you can definitely keep putting on throughout the day to like add more SPF. So yeah, I, I don't ever like use a powder throughout the day that doesn't have SPF in it. So I'm so happy to have this one because living in Florida and Miami, it gets so humid, but also I'm constantly reapplying sunscreen because I have melasma. So having something that has some protection in it to add on top is, is so, and to actually mattify a little bit, all that grease is, is amazing. And totally. the tint, like the tint, like I said, I, I am obsessed with, I think so many times the tinted serums are so dewy that they really don't work for anybody but with super dry skin but this one's really really light and I think that people with even like oily skin are gonna love this one what's your skin type by the way do you feel like you're more oily or dry I think I'm I'm pretty normal but I wear a lot of skincare so I think in testing it it would be testing on someone that probably would be more on the oily side I guess right because um, you're layering so much I'm layering so much because I love wearing a lot of um, skincare but that was the goal too, is that it's like, I want people to be able to add glow where they want to add glow, but I don't want them to start with like a fully like disco ball face where you're having to kind of correct all of that. I wanted it just to be like a natural skin finish. I definitely think that it's really blurring and kind of like there's a radiance to it, but it's not wet looking. Like it's just kind of this like really pretty I mean, for lack of a better word, like filter type looking um, tint. So, and yeah, exactly. And it was really fun to come up with a shade range. I, I did 13 shades and that was just because that's what I felt it needed. Like I really am passionate about being inclusive and I'm really proud of our shade range as far as how deep we were able to go with the formula also with it being, um, a physical sunscreen. Um, and I made it with just 13 because it's like, I didn't want to overcomplicate it, right? Like it's flexible in the sense that, you know, there's a shade for everybody, but I didn't want to go. I wanted to keep the undertones really neutral. So it wasn't like where you're like, am I three W three R, you know, like, cause even for me as an artist, when I go to shop and there's like so many options, I'm kind of like, I don't know, like you kind of get in your head about it and it, and then you don't want to shop because you're like, that's too confusing. Like I'll deal with it later, you know? Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've like closed the browser because I got so confused with shade ranges and especially yeah. with undertones coming from, you know, the skin side where, where makeup is not really my forte, but I want a nice foundation. It's so hard to find. I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know which one to pick. And and then I, I think I know and I get it and it doesn't work. So I like that you kind of simplified it for everyone. And that was actually one of my questions with kind of your, your pretty versatile shade range. 
And an SPF of 50, that's really difficult to do, especially with a mineral filter, because we know those those filters can kind of leave like a gray or white cast. So did you have a lot of trouble or did, did you get it right pretty quickly or did it take you a lot of iterations? And how did you combat that with this formula? I think, you know, I have a really great chemist. So, you know, once I got the the base, the base formula, I always work on in my, my skin tone so that I'm able to like really wear it for a long time, test it. Um, and then once I get into the shade matching process, I, I essentially send benchmarks and I'm able to go from there. Some of them, they nail like straight away others, you know, I have to have them rework. I think to get to the deepest shade, I probably had one or two, um, like I had to have them go back and do it again. And it was to, to intensify the depth of the color, but also add a little bit more red to it because just kind of as a neutral for a deeper skin tone, you actually want it to have more of a red undertone because typically, you know, one, because you have, um, the mineral filters, right? Like they can tend to be a little ashier. So you want to, to, um, cut that out, but also just in general with a deeper skin tone, the red like brings more, um, neutrality to the skin and also kind of just keeps it like bright and, And I think I've just worked with so many skin tones through the years too, that I kind of like interview so many women because I'm just curious, like what they go after. And even when it came to formulating the powder, that was really interesting because obviously I have three shades and, you know, you, I never as an artist want to look like I'm not being inclusive, but when I was speaking to Sephora about it, I was like, I really don't feel like we need to go any deeper on shade three, because the reality is, is women with more melanin in their skin, there are powders that they're using. They're using as brightening powders. They're not trying to powder like one-to-one as far as the same shade. It's always to kind of put in the center of the face and to brighten. And so I think it's just kind of having that like real knowledge of like what women are really after when it comes to cosmetics and what they'll actually use. So it's just a lot of like studying, watching, asking a lot of questions to make sure that I'm, you know, really representing and, and, and there for everybody. Um, and when you look at our filter and protect in shade three, it's quite warm looking, but that is also on purpose because at that deeper level of a shade, you want something that's going to warm up the skin, brighten, but also because the, the natural, um, sunscreen in it is white. You also have to like over, compensate for that so it's a puzzle but for me I think doing color is so natural that it kind of just like it came you know pretty seamlessly well and that's the benefit of having so many years of experience under your belt you you have all that knowledge to fall back on and were you able I mean I'm sure throughout the last couple years you've been like testing this on your clients and kind of going back to the drawing board were you was was there feedback that they were giving you on the formulations as well and then you would kind of you know, on different skin types that you could have a different, a different view on how the formula was on, on these different skin types. Yeah. So I, I've been lucky enough to work on some jobs where like I had a full range of skin tones. So I was able to kind of, you know, test it out and see how it was looking from light to deep. Um, and it, you know, I think it's funny, like most people were just like, wow, what's on my skin? Like, what is this? You know, like it was, it was kind of a lot more of those reactions. I think any more like kind of feedbacky type stuff comes from like my close friends, right? Like I'll just have them come over to the house and I'm like, put this on. 
And then I just kind of sit back and like watch how they use it because, you know, I'm also really fascinated with like, obviously I'm an artist. So my like way of using things is probably going to be quite different from what, how my sister or my best friend is going to use it. So that's always a great Intel for me. Like, okay, like I use brushes, but like my friends use their fingers. Like, is it working with fingers? Is it not like, how's it going to work with a sponge? Like kind of just like testing it in all these different ways so that you feel like you're supporting whatever person's like tool of choices with, with using the formulas. So definitely real women is like my, my go-to when it comes to getting a lot of feedback. This podcast is brought to you by, well, me. Skinthusiast.com is your one-stop shop for all things skin and beauty. We have so many blog posts that you could educate yourself on skincare all day long. If you want a deeper dive, I hold your hand through creating a skincare regimen from scratch in my comprehensive skincare guide. And we have the cutest crewnecks for anyone who's in their skin era. If you're a skin enthusiast, you're going to love it here. Head to skinthusiast.com forward slash shop. When you do apply your your product or, or complexion in general, is is brushes the way you like to do that? Or do you like fingers? Do you like sponge on yourself and then on other people? On myself, it's always fingers for my complexion. For any like foundation, obviously for my tint, I use my fingers. But even like when I'm using a heavier foundation, I typically like to do it all with my fingers. I, until I, ma- I made a sponge and until I made this, I never in my life ever used a sponge. And I think it was just about like finding the right sponge for me. And it was all about like, this has like a flat edge to it because this was always confusing. I was like, why do I want to try to blend with a point? So once I had the flat side, I was like, oh, this actually works well. And it works really well with our serum. Um, If I'm doing any sort of like blushes, sculpting, it's always with brushes and then um, on my clients, I always use brushes. I never, use, I never really. I've started to kind of dabble with using a sponge on certain areas, like to kind of blend. But I'm such a brush girl on other people. Like I would never put their foundation on with my fingers. It's funny how that is. So yeah, yeah. And how do you kind of combat? Sometimes when I'm using a brush on myself, I feel like it almost makes the products kind of streaky. Is that because I'm using too much, or I'm a, I'm using the brush wrong? What do you recommend I, for that? I think it's just, it's really common in, in, um, complexion formulas. I think the way to combat it is instead of swiping it on, you really have to like press it into the skin. So you probably want to use a brush that like here, this is more, um, dense, like it's all the same height, um, so that you can get like a good, uh, press in and in doing that instead of like really, I mean, you could initially kind of swipe it on to like get the product on, but then you really want to just be like pushing it into the skin. This is coming soon, by the way. Oh, that's one of yours. That's exciting. Oh, and it's double-ended. That's so fun. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Sneak peek. Yes. Um, So with your tint, are you using this like an SPF? Like, are you applying two full finger lengths or are you doing an SPF first and then applying this for extra coverage? How do you like to do it? So I do SPF underneath. I I always put um, SPF on after my moisturizer. And then I use this just as like additional because I I think that that's like a huge conversation in the industry, right? Like people are like, well, 
you're never going to be able to use enough blush to get the required amount of SPF. And it's like, no, that's not the purpose. Like this is because more is more is more, right? Like I don't think anyone probably puts on the recommended amount of, of SPF. Like, so if I can create products that you're adding and layering on more, probably by the end of it, you're getting enough of your sun protection, right? Or if you're someone that doesn't wear SPF, this is a great place to start because it's better than nothing, you know? And so, yeah, at least it's something that's so true. Yeah. So I personally still wear an SPF and I play around a little bit lately. I've been wearing the super goop glowy, like the glowy glow screen, I think is what it's called, but I can only wear the shade Dawn because the golden hour has, I think it has like bismuth in it or something that like doesn't agree with my skin, but Dawn doesn't have it in there. So I'm like safe to use that. And that's another interesting thing because it's a, that's a chemical sunscreen. And so I think that's the other thing, like right now with CL, everything that I formulated with is a mineral sunscreen, but I'm not opposed to chemical if it's the right chemical, right? Like there's some that I would steer clear of and, and others that I'm happy to use, but I think it all comes down to formula and what you're trying to achieve. And as long as someone's wearing SPF, like I'm stoked. Like it's not so like it has to be this or this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think we, I always say in clinic that the best sunscreen is the one you're going to wear. So totally. whichever one you come to me and say you're happy to put on every morning, I am happy with that answer <laughs> without yeah. even looking at the ingredients. That's all I need to know. Yeah. And the reality is, is like, as I'm, you know, working on formulating for a daily SPF that doesn't have any tints in it, it's, it's really hard to make a mineral that doesn't have a white cast. If you want to do a high level of SPF, like that's just the reality of the chemistry of the formula. And so of course I'm going to make a chemical SPF with a high level of, of SPF because I want to have an inclusive product that if, you know, you don't want to have a white cast, like you still can have, you know, your SPF 50. So I think that that's the other thing is like, I'm really, about being transparent with all of that because there's no point in saying there's no white cast you're setting yourself up for failure because then people are just going to focus on like they said it there's no white cast and there is like how about just being like yeah there is because that's how it is and you know the only way to combat that is if you're using like uh, nano but then there's like a whole other thing about nano so it's kind of i think just educating and that's like something that I'm also really passionate about is like speaking to experts, really talking through it with my chemists, talking to dermatologists, estheticians, like let's as a collective kind of, you know, educate properly so that the consumer can make their own decisions based on, you know, facts. Yeah. And I think that's the danger in demonizing chemical filters is now then you have a subset of people who aren't able to use the mineral filters that are quote unquote superior when we know that both are safe and both are effective. And mineral filters, like you said, in a especially in a non-tinted formulation, don't work for everybody. So then then you're left with people who are then afraid to use appropriate sunscreen. And that's the last thing we want. Yeah. I have a question for you. What's your, what's your like ride or die ingredient that you like, if there was like one thing that you could use every day and you couldn't use anything else, like what is it? A retinoid, 100%. If I couldn't, I mean, okay. well, sunscreen, okay. of course. If someone was like, you can't take one product, yeah. sunscreen, hands down. I, I wear sunscreen every single day, rain or shine in my house or outside. I reapply multiple times. But aside from sunscreen, a retinoid is my ride or die skincare ingredient for sure. 100%. 
has the most data behind it when it comes to, you know, anti-aging and pores and, and fine lines, hyperpigmentation, all of it. So it's kind of like you're like, it packs the most punch in like one product. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes like there's this whole like skin cycling trend that is kind of going around and um, which I'm not, I'm not against it, but the way I look at it is you're, if you're using, if you're somebody who's using a retinoid five to seven nights a week, don't take it away to then use something that's less effective. You know, we know it's the most effective thing aside from sunscreen. Yeah. How do you feel about like TikTok and experts talking on TikTok or like do you like the like what the trends are with skincare or does it frustrate you or like where do you kind of fall with that? I, of course, sometimes I'm frustrated with it because some of the advice out there is is just kind of scary. And exactly like I said earlier, kind of demonizing certain ingredients that it, that there's no scientific backing for. But I think for the most part, it's been a really good thing. I think that there are really true experts out there. I mean, I think of, you know, how much time I spend creating content. I only see patients one day a week now. So the other time I'm truly, well, I'm a mom too, so that takes up a lot of my time, but I'm full-time content creating. So when I think of the time that goes into that versus, you know, the time it would take me to educate a patient in clinic, I have so much respect for all the experts out there because I know how much work goes into it. And sometimes your comments are just somebody like shitting on you and saying like, you know, this is stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. And you're just like, oh my God, why did I leave my day job for this? But um, so I think I feel for all the experts out there because it's not easy to to create the content. And you know this, it's, it takes a lot of time to educate on social media. So I think it's fantastic. I think a lot of people are getting a lot of advice that would normally cost them a lot of money, which I'm glad because it should be accessible. You know, there shouldn't be a paywall behind healthy skin. That's so true. I love that. Yeah. How do you feel about it in the beauty industry? I feel like it's pretty, I think it's amazing. I mean, sometimes like I, I'm like, even if it's not a look for me, I still can learn a lot from what I'm seeing and like kind of take that and like make my twist on it. The only time it ever like pains my soul is if it is like someone like, I'm sure it's the same for you where, you know, certain products like have an ingredient list that wouldn't be great for their skin type. And you're like, Ugh, like stop rubbing that all over your face. Like your skin would be so much better. And like, you wouldn't be dealing with as many breakouts if you weren't using that. And so that's like the only time that I get like a little bit you know, and it's not for like, again, like it's not all skin types, but like, you know, like a lot of the Charlotte Tilbury products are great, but the the ingredient list isn't awesome for people that have acne. And like, it's such a popular product for people that they're just like smearing like the flawless filter all over their face underneath everything else. And I'm like, well, that is not setting up the skin for success, you know? So, but it's really tough too, because it's like, I like, you have to tread lightly, right? Like, because I also don't want to say like, no one should use flawless filter, right? Like, because it's, it, skin is so sensitive and it, it depends on the person, but like, and I don't ever want to be negative either, but it's just kind of like delicately, like, how can you educate in a way that's like, this isn't great for me, but that's me. It might be great for someone else, you know, like, so it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's difficult to kind of tiptoe around that. I actually was just talking to someone about that at a meeting this morning, and they were saying how they recommended putting more of that kind of content into my strategy because they feel like, you know, when you're only talking about things you like, it doesn't give you as much authority as when you're also mentioning things you don't like. And I'm like, that is so not in my nature. I have the things I love, and I'm like a ride or die, and that's what I talk about. I, and also I, I just believe in karma. Like I don't want to be here talking bad about a brand 
you know, you don't know how that's going to come back around. But I think one of the benefits of being an expert is that you can say, well, for my skin type, this doesn't work, but I can tell you that for XYZ skin type, it probably will. So I think that's kind of how you get around that. And then of course, if I, if I really hate something that I think is, is dangerous, you know, some of these trends really not dangerous and, you know, but, but it's going to ruin your skin. Totally. Then of course I'll speak out about that. No problem. I have yeah. no problem with that, but I don't want to be bashing anybody's brand. I just like to find the ones I love and then just talk and educate about those ones. What's the weirdest skin trend that you've seen that you're like, that is not like, like something like, is there like rubbing toothpaste all over your face or like something crazy? Like there's so many, I think the one that probably irked me the most was like when people were using sunscreen to bronze their face. Like they would use sunscreen where they would normally put a highlighter and then they would go out and get a tan so that the tan was only, you know, where you would put bronzer. And I just was like, what? Like, why don't we just use bronzer instead of giving yourself sunspots for the rest of our life? You know, it makes no sense to me. What's your favorite, like in like treatment that you like to do? Like, do you like Clear and Brilliant or IPLs or like what type of those treatments do you stand by? There's so many. And again, they're they're for really for different skin types. Like IPL has a very small portion of patients that it's it's great for, but it's used as if it's good for everybody because what happens with these devices is they're really expensive. Like lasers can run you over $100,000. So a practice will buy a laser or a device. And then of course, to get their money's worth, they want to use it on everybody that they possibly can. And I'm I'm really lucky that I work at a big practice and it's also a research center. We do like FDA trials and things like that. For I work with a really, really fantastic cosmetic dermatologist. So she, because she's been around for so long and she's really like kind of pioneered the world of cosmetic dermatology, we have access to everything. So I never have to pick, you know, I never have to be in a position where I have a boss over my head, like, we just bought this IPL, you have to use it as much as you can to pay it off. Like, I'm never going to touch anybody with something that's not perfect for their skin. I'm also very conservative. Like, I believe that a good skincare routine can beat any laser anytime, as long as you're consistent with it. And it's safer, especially for deeper skin tones. Um, But in office, I would say I really love microneedling because of the increase in collagen production. You know, there's, there's like I said, it really depends on the skin type, but I feel like that's a really good intro, especially for younger women who are maybe looking to tackle the whole collagen thing, tackle pores, texture, because I like to start there rather than, I think that for a long time there was, everybody was filling everybody. And I'm glad that everyone's kind of taking a step back from that and realizing it's not the best way to go. I also really love Sculptra, which it, it is an injectable, but it basically, it's a biostimulator that you inject it into your skin. It's like a watery solution and it helps your body create its own collagen rather than filling it with anything. So the water just kind of absorbs. And then over like the next few months, you'll start to notice an increase in collagen. I was actually in LA when was that? In early over the summer for a Sephora thing. And so I went to a injector out there to do that. And I was really happy with it. So it's something, it's something I used to do mostly for older patients, but I've been doing it a lot more for younger patients now that we know how to hyper dilute it and and kind of tailor the treatment a little bit. Is that would that work in the lips as well? Or is that just for like the face, would you say? Yeah, it's better in the face because of the depth we want to use it. There is a a chance of nodules. And so the things we do to hyper dilute it and the way we inject it help to kind of decrease that chance. So you don't want to use it. And like, I don't like to use it. Some people use it in the nasal labial folds. I don't like to use it there. 
I don't like to use it in the lips. The lips really, what you use is a hyaluronic acid filler. And, and it can be done so naturally. There's so many good ones now. You can really do it so naturally. I love lip filler. I mean, I, I, I have to like force myself not to do more because I'm like, okay, Amy, like, you, don't, like, you, don't, you don't eat anymore. Because it's easy. It's easy, especially when you're in this world. It's so easy to be overdone, unfortunately. Totally. The last time I went for Botox, my I've seen the same doctor for like six, seven, I don't know how long, a really long time, which is like, I won't even look at any, That's great, anyone else. Yeah. Cause I'm like, this is, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like, absolutely, you know, mm-hmm. we're good. And, and so he, but he was like, let's put a little bit of uh, filler in your lips. And like, I'm like such like, I'm so terrified of it because I don't want to look too like done. And, you know, yeah. And I think it was just like, kind of like this thing where I'm like, well, sh- I, I, like want to keep something that's real or natural or I don't know. Like I just got super in my head about it. Anyways, I let him do it. And he went, he does it where he goes here in the side and then like puts it all the way through. What is that called? A, mm-hmm. a, a cannula? Yes. And yeah. um, it was so funny. Cause like I was, I had my eyes closed and I was just like laying there and I started thinking about, it. I was like, Whoa, it's so weird that like, it's like here, but then he's going into the middle of my lip. And then all of a sudden, like, it was like my ears started ringing and everything went black. And I was like, and I was like, wait. And I was like, doc, I was like, I, I don't, I'm like, I think I feel weird. And then like within that second, he like, Move, like the chair is like, the like, back. Yeah, uh-huh. like the bed goes back. <laughs> he grabs my legs is like holding him up in the air. I'm like sweating and I totally passed out. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> it happens. And I have never passed out in my whole life. And I was like, Whoa, that was insane. Like what happened that like, for whatever reason, just putting a needle in my lips. So now I'm like, well, I don't know if I'll ever do that again, but we'll see. At least I know what it feels like now, so. Mm -hmm. It's not uncommon. There's something called a vasovagal response that happens when you either see blood or or you have a needle injected in you that it can be that immediate, like you could be totally fine, but your body has other plans type of thing. Um, but I have some patients who every time and they, and I get, ner- I'm like sweating and I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? And they're like, yes, yes, I'm sure. Like every time they leave, they're like, I'm never doing that again. And then they're back. And I'm like, I just wish I see the people on my schedule. I'm like, crap. Oh no. You're like, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it just, I actually used to faint when I was younger. It was like a weird thing that happened in my teens and through college and didn't happen super often, but it was enough to really like scare me. So then, and I also, I worked in critical care for a long time. So my mind is like, when someone goes down, it's like, I'm thinking worst case scenario. So it took me a while in cosmetics to be like, oh no, this is fine. They'll pop right back up. Totally. And that's like the, what I love about him is he actually like was an ER doctor before he did cosmetics and so like there's like some sort of safety there where I'm like oh he's got me like I'm like yes you know like even like he knows his, what to do yeah like his response when it was like oh just put the legs up blah blah like and I was like thinking because I actually need to go like I go like every six months and I need to go now and, and get some some Botox and um I was like should I just tell him to like lay me back first and then like which I know he won't do because he wants me sitting yeah. up, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but 
Yeah, okay. and and hopefully it was just a one-time thing. I, I also similarly have patients who it just happens. And sometimes it'll happen after years of doing it. I had a patient this week who was a good friend of mine, and we've been doing her Botox for forever. And then the very last poke, she was just like, uh, so I'm, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. And same thing. I just put her back. I gave her some smelling alcohol, and she was fine. But she's like, that's so weird. That's never happened. I'm like, sometimes it just does. It just happens sometimes. And it could be your blood sugar. Like, so many things can affect, you know, like how you're coming into that appointment, you know? Yeah, that's so funny. I actually, speaking of IPL, like, I, I probably have had, like, maybe four treatments of IPL like through the years, but like now I won't do it again. Cause I'm so afraid of like, I think I was on the lucky side that I, I had good results from it and nothing like adverse, but now I'm like, I'm not going to do it again. Cause that next time could be the time that like the heat like reacts and makes it worse or something, oh, you know? Yeah. I mean, I do. I, I am really not a fan of devices on melasma, any, any sort of laser, um, or light device. It can help initially, but sometimes the rebound is worse. That being said with your skin tone, it's usually pretty safe, especially if you go to someone who's well-versed and who knows how to operate the laser optimally, it's usually not a problem. The problem, the risks get worse, you know, get higher and higher with deeper skin tones. Um, and with deep skin tones, you don't want to touch at all with an IPL. Um, but anyways, in general with like melasma, like specifically melasma, as far as hyperpigmentation, I'm not a fan of devices. I think skincare is safer. You generally don't get the rebound and um, it's, you know, it's, it's long-term. It's melasma. There's no cure. You're going to have it forever. I have it. It's, it's unfortunate and it will flare. It'll get better. It'll flare. It'll get better at different times throughout your life. So really finding the right skincare routine is so crucial. What do you think about taking tranexamic acid pills? Yeah, oral tranexamic acid is a really fantastic option for like refractory melasma that isn't getting better. I have a few patients on it. Um, It's a medication that's used in medicine to stop bleeding, to make blood clot. So because of that, there's a very, very small risk of blood clots. It's extremely small. It's about comparable to oral contraceptive pills, especially because we use it in such a low dose in cosmetics. Um, But I have seen such great results for my patients who have, you know, a a worst case of melasma. It's something I put them on kind of um, temporarily. And then while we're doing that, we're also getting their skincare regimen in in check because once you stop, of course, you could have a recurrence of the disease. So it's so important that your skincare routine is like optimized. And then, you know, like really at that point, you have to completely stay out of the sun. And heat does it too, unfortunately. So even just being outside, even if you're covered— and so when you live in some somewhere that's hot and sunny, it's really, it's really difficult, really, really difficult. Yeah. I was going to ask you, cause like I've, I've, I'm really into the cold plunge. Like I've, I got one for my house and I do it a couple times a week. And of course, like all of my biohacking friends, they're like, now you need to get a sauna and you need to do both. But like, I'm like, I can't get a sauna because that's going to flare up my, my sunspots because that's heat in the body. Right. So I'm like, as my, it's, it's like such a vanity thing. Cause like my guy friends are like, why would you not do sauna? It has all these health benefits, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is my moneymaker. Okay. And like, I work so hard to try to keep everything like in check that I don't want to like, it sucks. I wish that I could use yeah, a sauna, but 
yeah. Yeah, the worst for me was the hot yoga. I had to give up hot yoga, and I was so sad to do that. But yeah, hot, hot yoga, sauna, steam rooms, all of it. Even when I get a facial, I just have them not steam my face. I'm super careful that's when so I'm cooking. I'm like ducking out of the way of the oven when I open it. No, that's like, but that's good to know though, because I think it's like those little lifestyle-y things that you don't ever really think like, oh, that could actually be a thing. But I realize it when I, cause I always cover up when I'm out in the sun or like, you know, and I, I like during the pandemic, when I was in Palm Springs, I'm like, I don't understand why I'm still getting all spotty and I'm not in the sun. And then I was like, oh, heat in the body. Like that's what makes it all come out. So. And one thing I always laugh at is I see, you know, like the sun stash where you can get melasma. It's a super common place to get melasma on your upper lip. I always see people like in TikTok videos being funny, like have their like sunscreen kind of caked here. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to help. But even if you get sun elsewhere on your face, or even if you get tan on your body, it can make the melasma on your face worse. So it's not just, you know, you see brown here, you cover it. That's just not how it works, unfortunately. Wow. I didn't know that about the body. That's good to know though. Makes sense. I mean, it's still heat. Yeah. I'm so geeky. I love all this stuff. It's fun. I love it too, obviously. (laughs) So I want to ask you kind of rapid fire style before we wrap up some of your unfiltered thoughts on like some current beauty trends and you can let us know what you think. So the first one is underpainting. That's kind of having a viral moment. I think it depends on my short, long, short answer is like, if you're really going to put a foundation all over your face, it kind of feels like you're doing double the work. Because if you're, you're covering, if you're putting foundation over underpainting, you're covering up the underpainting. Mm-hmm. So, so you prefer like too much old work. fashioned way, just complexion and then interior yeah. color. I like that. Yeah. What about overlining yeah. the lips? Um, it, it depends on how it's done. I think there's like a little bit that works well, but like going like where you can really see like a full another line of lips like it's a it's a little too intense for me yeah it sometimes can be super obvious I saw somebody um I think it was I think it was a like a training we did with makeup by Mario at Sephora and he said I think just to do the center of each and once I started doing that I was I was much more comfortable with it I think that made it a lot better it's very it's very true and I also think it depends on the the formula and the color but like it, it's it's one of those things like it looks good in pictures, right? Like if you look at a carpet photo and you're like, oh, that, that the lips look amazing, but then that person still has to like live their life outside Talk of that one people. picture. And it's yeah, and it, when you can see like a full extra like I don't know in terms like how much that is, but you're just like, whoa, that's a lot. I've definitely noticed so. talking to some people where I'm like, oh, this is like a little bit too much, too much overlining. Yeah. Okay. What about faux freckles? I love doing them on people that naturally have freckles, but like on myself, I, I tried it last week and I was like, I look like a joke. Really? So I think it, like, yes, I think it depends. But I also think because I'm so psycho about always wanting like no spots on my face, it's kind of like counterproductive because I'm like, I'm adding spots back in. That's, that's kind of how I think about it. It always makes me laugh. I'm like, so we're just clearing our skin so we can put makeup freckles on. And it looks so cute on some people, but I think it's like generally if you naturally are freckly. Also, I'm like close to 40 and I'm like, I'm, I'm too old for that. Like, look. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, you're right. It, yeah. it is it is a very young look. That's for sure. Okay. What about fluffy brows? Do you think that thin brows are coming back? What are you seeing? I do think thin brows are coming back. I don't think it's going to be as much of like 
people plucking. I think it's more about like different ways that you can educate to like use your concealer a certain way or even like bleach out the brow that you don't want to to be as full. But I don't think unless you're like a Bella Hadid or whatever that people are going to go as extreme of like, you know, taking away all their brows. And it could even be just like instead of like brushing them up, you're like brushing them like more a more to the natural, side. you know, I guess how they yeah. would normally look. What about the shag haircut? I always like more of a one length, unless like unless the hair is really long because it needs movement. But like the the shag, it's funny because I I just cut my hair and my hairdresser was like, oh, we should do the what did she call it? The wolf cut yes. first. Uh-huh. And then, and then go into like the longer bob. And when she came over, I was like, I can't do the wolf cut. I was like, it's just not for me. It looks cool on other people. But like, I also, this is like as short as I can go with my fringe. Like every time I have ever tried to go shorter, I'm always regretting it. And it's just, no. Yeah. I have, I have gone short so many times. I've, when I first moved to Miami, I was like up to my chin and then I let it grow and I do it over and over again. And I actually have an appointment tomorrow to get my hair cut. And my, the girl I go to is like, she books so far out. So like, I've been thinking about this forever. Like, what am I going to do? But I usually end up the last few times I just chicken out and keep it long. Totally. You got to be ready for okay, it. So yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. You really do. And I feel like when I was younger, I would do it on a whim. And then I would have like dreams about having my long hair back. But I've al- I've always been that kind of person. Like it's just hair. Like it it really, I like, I like chopping it. And I don't feel like attached to my hair. So, and I love short haircuts. I think they're so cute and they're so fun and I love them. Okay. So what they're do you- They're lower maintenance yes. to me. Yeah. I think it, hair, like I I'm think. sure it depends on your hair texture too. Like you probably don't have to do a lot to your hair at this length. Which that's how mine is when it's short. I can just kind of like tossle it and it's fine. But if you're someone who really has to style it, I can see where that would be more work. Yeah, for sure. Okay, what do you think about matte coming back? Do you think we're going to see a lot more like heavy matte or do you think glowy is here to stay? I think glowy is here to stay. I think if anything, it could be more like of a natural finish, but I don't think we'll ever go back to that like full coverage matte look because I just don't think people... I don't know. I just don't think it will happen. Hopefully not. <laughs> I hope not either. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell us, give us a little sneak peek, what is next for CL? Yeah. So I have, um, is it, I had it here somewhere. I Oh, it's here. A sculpting stick. I have a sculpting stick that should be out hopefully in January. It's like a thinner diameter and I made it to be kind of a hybrid between like a contour and a bronzer has SPF 30. So, um, obviously everything that I'm doing will have SPF in it, which is like the fun challenge for me is just, you know, how can I make a really great formula, but also get the sunscreen in it. So yeah, this will be the next I love that. I love that. Cause especially like I said earlier, for people with hyperpigmentation who know that they have to kind of reapply throughout the day, I think it's such a great option. Like I know I'm going to be using the powder and the blush especially because I'm usually touching up blush throughout the day anyway. So I love that this one just, because this is where I get my melasma too. So it's kind of perfect for me to just add it right, right there. Um, so a couple last questions. What is your Holy Grail beauty product? Maybe from your brand, like if you had to pick one and then maybe outside of your brand. Um, I think from my brand, probably my tint and protect like the, um, serum just because like, I'm so obsessed with having just like a really flawless complexion. Um, not from my brands. I have a bunch of products in front of me. I'm like, what is my, 
probably like right now I'm into lip liner, like, which is funny because I used to never use lip liner. And now it's like, I just have lip liners like floating around everywhere. I don't know if there's like one specific brand that it's like a ride or die for me. I just think any sort of like natural lip liner. I love that. I'm with you on that. I never used to wear one. And now I find myself applying one even just before like a clear gloss. I, oh, love yeah. it. I think it looks so nice. Even like if I'm just going to the gym or whatever, I'm like, you know, yeah. like just, <laughs> just like, a little bit. Yeah. 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 And yeah. what is your most underrated beauty or skin tip? Something that you think is easy, maybe inexpensive, but you don't see enough people doing. Well, I'm like, a, I love Vaseline. I'm like, I'm into it. Um, I know that's controversial, but like for me, I'm super into it. Um, and I, so I think it's like something like that, but also the less is more approach. Like I think, you know, we've gotten to a place where it's like people are just, you know, so into skincare, which is amazing, but also it's, you know, just simplifying it, I guess, where you don't have to do like 13 steps every night to like get to the achieve. Like, honestly, if you put Vaseline on your face every night, in my opinion, I think it does wonders, you know? Yeah. I love Vaseline. There's also, um, a brand, she lives in California. She's a dermatologist. It's a new brand called prequel. And she has like a petrolatum based product that has, um, it's like 45% petrolatum, I think, which is what Vaseline is. And then there's like a bunch of other soothing ingredients in it too. So I've been using that. It's so, so nice on the skin, but I love using a petrolatum at night. It's like amazing. Such I'll, a good I'll look that up. And that was like, that was something that my esthetician taught me because when she would do extractions, she'd say like, okay, go home and put Vaseline on your face. And I'm like, put Vaseline on my face. Are you insane? And she's like, it's not going to clog your pores. And it like made my skin heal so much faster. And I was like, oh, okay. There's like, that's cool. I like that. It sounds like you have an incredible esthetician. Everything that you've mentioned you mentioned that she said, I'm like, that is spot on. You should have her on your podcast, actually. She's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Send me her information. I would love I will. to. I will for sure. Um, okay. Last question. Yes. If you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? Uh, go with the flow. <laughs> go with the flow. Like and like you like just go along for the ride. Cause I think there's so many, I've had so many twists and turns in my life where it's like the never say nevers. Right. Um, but just kind of like letting it all happen and unfold and, you know, enjoying the journey along the way, but yeah, go with the flow. I love that. I think it's hard sometimes when you're young and that's it's something that you learn as you get older. You're like, wow, I could have made life a lot easier for myself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just think about my twenties now and like how many things I tried to control and I'm like, oh, it's so nice to like not to have that brain space and freedom to not be like overthinking everything. Yes, I agree fully. Yes. Go with the flow. We'll, We'll end on that note. I love it. I'm so glad Nikki was able to find some time to come on the show today. Her new brand, CL, has gone pretty viral for a good reason. The skin tint is absolutely unmatched, truly. I hope you found this episode as helpful for your makeup routine as I did, and I'll talk to you next week, skin enthusiasts.